Welcome everyone to our NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by three esteemed guests as we discuss officiating. Yes, the tone here and the topic say yes to officiating. It's the name of a program to increase the number of officials across all sports in college athletics. Penny Davis, uh, who was named the National Coordinator for Women's Basketball Officiating in 2019. Anthony Holman, in your lower left, at least my lower left, is the manager, Managing Director of NCAA Championships. Uh, well, he's been there since 2009. And Angel Rivera, who is a wrestling official. He's also the Executive Director of an Officiating Association in wrestling and currently still is a wrestling official, especially uh, in the Big Ten. All right, so let me go around our Zoom room here. Uh, and I just wanna get sort of the state of officiating. Uh, you know, we see the videos and I've seen it in person. It's uh, a very tough job. And I don't think the general public, a lot of times the fans, the players, the coaches don't fully grasp how hard a job it is and we need to re basically replenish this pool of, offici of officials throughout all sports. So, uh, Angel, you're on the ground there. You're one of them. Uh, give me the state of officiating right now. Uh, I would say it's, uh, it's a little bleak. And I say that with a heavy heart only because um, we have our associations uh, and we have several of them around the country and we don't have enough officials to get into the schools. Um, there, is a, there is an issue with having not enough officials when we do have a tournament. Um, sometimes the officials are overworked, underpaid, um, and with new programs coming in, women's wrestling coming up, um, that, that's an issue. We have more and more programs coming up, but the recruitment of officials is, uh, is pretty low. Um, I would say that um, the coaches and the fans, uh, if, if they could be a little bit more, a little bit nicer to the officials, uh, that would be tremendous because they have some say um, so far. Well, you know, before Penny and Anthony jump in, let me follow up on that, Angel. Um, you know, yes, people can be nasty. Uh, how much has that played into some officials cycling themselves out of the profession? It has. Um, I have what's called a, a, a freshman syndrome. Um, just think about you being a freshman in high school uh, and you're just going to, a, you know, getting into a sport. By the time you're a senior, you're the best. And when you get to your college, you got you to gotta walk that ladder again. And for officials, if you're the best in high school and you're, you do the state tournament every year and you come to college and you start getting yelled at, you uh, fans start booing you, whatever, you know, I don't need that. Uh, I'm okay going back to high school and, 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 and being the best. So that's an issue um, in terms of the fans and the coaches getting involved with uh, officials. Penny? Yeah, you know, everything Angel said was, was right on the money. Um, uh, the state of officiating from a women's basketball standpoint at the highest level, it's, it's very healthy. And, you know, there, there's a line of people trying to get into the highest level, but unfortunately at the, uh, at the lower levels, there's a lot of challenges, um, particularly with some geographical areas, you know, smaller communities, 
uh, locations where there aren't a lot of officials trying to, you know, fulfill assignments and, and games with, with officials and, and trying to, you know, not put the same uh, group of people together and, and to have a different familiarity. You know, if you're a coach, you don't want to see Penny Davis 10 times in a season. You know, if you see me three or four times, you know, that, that's plenty. And so, you know, some of those rural areas, there, there are, you know, significant gaps and deficiencies and they're, they're not, um, we're not having new officials join a lot of those ranks. And so we've got a, an aging population of officials that really care about the game and they want to serve the game and they've been doing it a number of years and they're hearing from their assigners that, you know, we need more people, we need recruitment and, and, you know, we need your help, but we need your availability too. And so, you know, I think there's a whole um, dichotomy of issues where, you know, the folks that have been around a really long time are, some of them are frustrated that, you know, they haven't advanced and, you know, they, they decide to stop officiating because of their own frustration. And then we, we don't have that, that new crop of, of young people wanting to, to start officiating. And, and I can't, I can't think of reasons why, because there's uh, there's a lot of great opportunity, and I know we're going to talk about that. But um, from from a top level standpoint, we're we're very healthy. But I think as we look at the youth levels and and high school and some of our uh, you know geographically uh, remote areas, that's where we really have got some gaps and concerns right now. All right, so wrestling, women's basketball, uh, Anthony, can you give me the overall landscape since you do manage you know championships as a whole? Yeah, so so seventy eight percent of our officials begin officiating at at the high school level or or youth levels, right? So they're not to Penny's point on the women's basketball side. We're we have really experienced quality officials, a decent pipeline there, and other sports: field hockey, swimming and diving, track and field. Some of our Olympic sports, our numbers are um, we're we're in dire straits in in some of those places and. Our median age of, of officials across the board for the NCA is is right at 50 years old, right? So think about the, the, that in in terms of trying to to continue to do something. Those same that same age group is is you know five to six years away from retirement. So uh, pipeline and development is a critical issue for for us right now. I've been telling folks that um, you know um, it, it's it's similar to the uh, the the Dr. Seuss book, the Lorax, right? Where yeah, for so long we've just been mining the trees, right? We've been taking these really good officials, moving them up, working the big games, but we've not been replanting those trees. And now we're at a place where we we really are. Uh, we've got no shade, so to speak. So we really we're we're trying to partner with the high school association and other governing bodies and other youth associations and groups to develop that that next generation of, of officials. But it speaks to what Angel said. We lose officials in the first three years um, of, of, of inter- introducing them to officiating at all levels. And a couple of the barriers for, for that in, include sportsmanship and and behavior treatment that they receive both from coaches players but fans for the for the most part and it's really it's really disheartening that the gatekeepers of our game the 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 individuals that are there to protect the game don't feel safe themselves and that that's a real that's a real concern of ours and a real problem so we are trying to take some some significant measures to 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 address that 
I will say one thing, Anthony. Uh, I didn't know five to six years when you turn 50, it means you're going to retire. Hopefully I got a lot longer than that. But anyway, <laughs> maybe in this profession, uh, in this where profession. you obviously do get uh, worn down in, in officiating. Um, you know, Angel, I, I sometimes I always wonder, like, what happens if you took out a population from uh, a work environment and what would it be like? So hypothetically, what if there were no officials? What would happen, Angel? Uh, I, I would say the, the, the coaches uh, themselves would probably um, fight over themselves as to who, who's got points, who's got better points in, in wrestling, at least. Um, and they'd be asking for them very quickly. Um, they'd probably give prizes at the door to not yell at the fan, I'm sorry, at the officials, uh, so that we could have one. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I got. Penny, same thing. What would happen? Yeah, I, you know, I think the uh, the world of automation is has not ventured into officiating. So uh, you're you're relying upon you know humans to be involved, and you know don't don't take sport away from from kids and and the opportunity to play. And you know, frankly, I I think you know back to little league days of my own, and and you know when you some of the parents occasionally had to come out, and you know they had to call a base, and so I think they they realize how you know, how much they truly valued the, the umpires in those moments and appreciated the, the giving back. And, you know, I think the, the sports community, particularly the fan base and, you know, those that, uh, you know, like to go to games and, and, you know, yell at the referees and, and, you know, get their release from, from that activity really need to, you know, take a self-appraisal, look at me, look in the mirror and look at, how they're influencing the game in a negative way and the opportunities for, for their children and, you know, themselves. You know, Anthony, the pandemic really um, shined a light on the life of an official uh, because it was incredibly difficult. I've talked to officials and coordinator officials of how suddenly these officials that had traveled essentially in pods had to be separated um, and had to get their own rental cars travel by themselves, uh, you know, locker rooms had to be spaced out, sometimes separated even within that. And I think to Angel's point, that probably had some effect on, as we're coming out of it, and we're not out of it yet, obviously, um, of sort of assessing, you know, what is it about this profession that I like and want to continue to do uh, because it was so difficult last season. I'm just curious, Anthony, as, as the managing director, if you heard, uh, you know, certainly last season, you know, how difficult it was for officials. We talked a lot about players and coaches, but what they had to go through last year. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult and, and, and it, it further exacerbated the, the challenge and the problems we, we were having. So this year, as we gear back up and started our fall activities and now move into our winter sports, our, our numbers are down in terms of registered officials again across, across the board for a number of reasons. I mentioned the average age. So folks that are a little bit older are more susceptible um, in, uh, to, to the virus or others. So there was concern about that, right? So that so we're losing a, a big crop of folks that are just not, not don't feel, um, feel comfortable doing that. There's another group that felt like, hey, it's, I don't know if it's worth it, right? Do I do the, the additional things that we, we've had to ask them to do, right? To, in terms of traveling alone, traveling earlier, traveling longer, going further. Testing. 
Yeah, right. Testing the consistent, continuous testing. So the the more the demands that that are being asked of of officials in this space is certainly another created another barrier. So the pandemic certainly didn't didn't help us. But um, you know we, we're trying to to do things to to help uh, our officials in that space. You know, providing better accommodations, better resources, um, helping to provide a, a safer environment for them as well. What uh, Penny mentioned something about, you know, fans and others and coaches yelling officials and how, how parents used to, and some days your original question, Andy, was about what happens if we don't have officials? Well, I think we don't have competitive sport, honestly, without officials. I mentioned earlier, they're the gatekeepers. Without the gatekeepers, you know, it, it's difficult to keep Keep uh, keep competitive balance. So uh, I think it's really as folks think about you know the next time you're going to, to yell at an official or to, uh, to to criticize, think about them as a human being uh, first, and then think about also also the sacrifices they're they're making, and also the the really important part that they play in in safeguarding in safeguarding our sports. So to that point, Anthony, I'm just curious uh, how often have has there been discussion of getting officials out to Angel's point also and sharing stories, anecdotes, not to scare fans. And I know it's going to be hard to get sympathy. I get that. But to uh, really open up a little bit more about what, you know, that kind of behavior does to an individual, um, you know, to really allow an official to express him or herself to show that, that kind of constant abuse can wear on an individual. And, you know, maybe it's a PSA, maybe it's an in arena announcement at various sporting events. Uh, you know, how much has that been discussed, Penny? And you could start about trying to get those individuals out there to, to let everyone know that we are human beings and we're doing something to help the sport, to help entertain you uh, so that, uh, you know, we can have a competitive environment. You know, we did a few things um, this last year with our NCAA tournament and our championships, having everything at one site. And, and we put out some stories on um, our uh, uh, Twitter um, Twitter account, and we tried to humanize officials. We had um, two Islanders that had worked together in a game. That was a first. Um, we also did something really unique with our replay in that we tried to educate the fans. So we know that they are going to be passionate supporters of their teams. We don't expect them to be quiet church mouths as we like that energy in the game, but could they just be better sports is the, the biggest thing. And one of the, the things we learned um, from our one of our surveys is that the fans respond to what they see from the coaches and the players. So if we can actually educate our coaches and players a little more so they don't react to some of the scenarios that they're reacting to mistakenly. Now, if we, we make a mistake, we expect a, a fair amount of um, reaction on, on that. And, and, you know, that's part of competitive sports, but there's, there's a lot of things that, that come out in, in times, particularly at youth sports where, you know, I, I thought that people were yelling at me, but the people that are yelling really don't know what they're talking about. So that made it easy for me to let things roll off, off my back. And, you know, the higher levels you go, we have those same misconceptions about certain rules. So we've taken it to, to 
apply some education to this situation and, you know, and not just ask for people to be better sports, but hey, let's educate you and help you understand the rule and us using this push to talk system where our referee, when we had a replay review, could, you know, basically explain what they were looking at and then explain the decision within the game. You know, this created a, a point of, of education where we, you know, we didn't have a, a TV talent person trying to explain the play. We actually heard straight from the referee what it was. And so there was no misconceptions about the rule. And, and you know, hopefully we, we educated just a little bit and, and tried to move the dial. So, you know, some of those things are, excuse me, are happening um, in, in small doses, but, you know, hopefully it, it has a, a bigger impact um, as we move forward and continue to do so. Yeah, I mean, I concur with what he said. Uh, however, in wrestling, there's not a whole lot of black and white. There is a lot of gray. Um, in trying to determine um, control of positioning. Um, so I, I, again, Penny was spot on. Uh, there's a lot of audience members and spectators that, that have played the sport for a long time and now they, they, know, the, uh, they know the rules. Um, they become ar armchair officials. Uh, so they can, they can call a match from, uh, from the couch and, and be 100% right. But when you're in the grind and you have to make a, a, a split decision and 3,000 um, ideas are going through your mind to try and figure out which one you need to make, uh, it becomes a bit difficult, obviously. Um, the, the, the sportsmanship uh, from the, the coaches and the, the, the wrestlers, um, that, that's all good and, and done. I mean, we can control that. However, when the fans start blaring out, you know, some obscenities and, and some things like that. I mean, that, that we can't control. Um, I know in wrestling that there's a, we have an, a public announcement that we will give um, about sportsmanship, respect the officials, and obviously you'll be taken out if, if you don't comply. Um, however, that, that's, that's just words, um, unfortunately, at some, at some of my, my events. So Anthony, officials are independent contractors. This is not the NBA, the NFL, uh, the NHL, and so on. Uh, which, by the way, I don't think a lot of the public really fully grasps that they are independent contractors. Uh, and as we actually saw during, as we come out of the pandemic, that a lot of conferences, if the officials aren't vaccinated, they don't necessarily have to hire them because they maybe don't want to deal with it. But how do you get over that hurdle of dealing with an independent contractor who's not an employee? Um, of making this, you know, uh, a priority, a package or something to say, you know what, this is a profession you want to do, will make it worth your while, even though technically, you know, they're not under the same full umbrella of getting benefits and so on, whether it's a conference or from the NCAA. Yeah, no, that's a great question, um, and and one that we're we're trying to address, Andy, in a, in a couple of different ways. What we've been talking here on the first half of this are, are some of the challenges we face and our officials face in, in that space. There are also benefits, right? There, there are absolute. There's if if you are an official, former athlete, or competed at a high level or at any level. Uh, it's a way to stay connected. It's a way to give back to a sport that probably gave you a lot in terms of development and character and other those things and helping to mold the next generation 
not just athletes of human beings. So there, there, are, there are lots of value to, to officiating and, and it's a, it's a good way to, to make incremental income, right? There's, there's a look, the, the demand is certainly uh, high and, and the volume's low, right? So, so um, fees are starting to increase as, which rightly so, we, we should be uh, compensating officials in, in the appropriate manner. So I think highlighting those things, Andy, is, is kind of our approach to, uh, to doing that. And then also being, being targeted about who we attract, um, campaigns around uh, first responders and individuals who have some flexibility in their schedules to, to come out and work um, uh, a, a Tuesday evening little league game or, uh, or Thursday night volleyball game or a Saturday afternoon uh, flag football game. Introducing uh, folks to, to the sport that way uh, and giving them an opportunity to, to live it, uh, right? You know, uh, Angel mentioned about armchair officials well let's those those folks that are that are most critical let's give them to penny's point let's give them an opportunity to make the call let's give them a platform to engage and then maybe further um uh, invite them into the fold to become an official and not 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 a critic right so that's that's a part of it we're not, we're not as fancy as the you know campaign um Someone passes out. Hey, are you a doctor? No, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I could do this. You know, we're not that sophisticated, but we do want to say, hey, you thought that was a bad call? Well, come to our clinic and let's help. Let us help you kind of discern. Maybe you're right. Let's give you a chance to help us get better. I want to actually hold that thought because I want to pick up on something Anthony said here just in a moment. But first, Penny and Angel, I just want you both to to add on to the aspect of independent contractors and how that weighs into either keeping or bringing more officials in. Penny, you first. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's definitely a, a big component of it because at the, the youth level and the starting off level, you're managing a, a primary job, most likely, in addition to being this uh, independent contractor. So, you know, the, the people you work for while often say, you know, fill out your availability, but, you know, the reality is you're, you better be available as much as possible. And, you know, if you're turning back a game, that's really a, a mar on your uh, reputation. And, and um, you know, so managing that, managing the primary job and, and, you know, dealing with the dynamics of life, if you've got a family, um, if you live in a metropolitan area and now you're dealing with traffic, you know, it's really hard to get out of work at one o'clock to drive two hours to, to, you know, to make 150 bucks and to, to work a game. Um, you know, I, I started in, in that environment and, you know, it was the best thing I did every day, despite, you know, the commute and traffic. And it never felt like work um, for me when I, when I started officiating. And, you know, I think later as you continue and you have success and you're working higher levels now, you know, you're really balancing the dynamics of, um, you know, this is your primary job for a lot of people. And so, you know, you're figuring out your own healthcare benefits and hopefully you're a good money manager because, you know, if you're a basketball referee, your your income is coming November through March. And then, you know, the rest of the months you need to have have a good plan in place. So you're you're not uh, really suffering come October. And, you know, it's a it's a balance. And, you know, a lot of officials, they're they're trying to climb the ladder. They're they're using the money they've made in their season, spending that on training camps and tryout camps. So there's a, an investment 
even when they're not refereeing in their regular season, you know, there's, there's quite a commitment to, to be at these camps and to, um, you know, show face and, and to, to get additional training in the summertime. So there's the, you know, it's really a full-time thing for a, a lot of people. Um, and, and then, you know, just the, the piece of, you know, managing your body and, you know, everyone's, you know, got a limited number of games. My, my career ended with an, a unique opportunity, but I, I know I was probably a few years away from, you know, one of my joints saying, Hey, you know, this isn't okay. And, uh, you know, there, there went a knee and, you know, for these officials that, you know, this is their primary source of income, you know, if they don't work the games, you know, th th there's not disability insurance typically for, for basketball referees or, or any kind of referee. So there, there's a lot of pieces to it. And a, it's really a big commitment. And, I think COVID really taught us a lot about ourselves and what we value. And, you know, there were a lot of people really concerned that they were even going to have a season and have an income. And, and, you know, we, we were delayed last year from a basketball standpoint, but I know there are other sports that, you know, didn't even get to play. So, you know, I, I think we, you know, we, we've definitely taken a, taken a big hit because of COVID and all those, those mix, but uh, the independent contractor thing is, is definitely, um, you know, a real dynamic. And I think those that are, you know, really good planners and understand what you need in your life and, and, you know, have good management skills, you know, do well with that. And then there's others that, that don't, frankly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us as, as wrestling officials, um, we, we depend on a professional a career uh, in that um, income to come in, but we also uh, take on wrestling. Um, for many of us, uh, we're, we're doing the same thing. We're traveling many hours um, just to get 150 bucks. And that's what that's one of the things that's a, a black eye on wrestling. Uh, the increase in, in pay um, has been very minute. Um, and I know with the truncated season from last year, that it was a big impact on officials because sometimes they depend on that for their secondary income. Um, so, um, Last year with, with uh, only conference matches, uh, you know, the, the wrestling matches were limited and I'm sure other sports were as well in terms of fans. Uh, there's testing, uh, traveling, uh, coming in and, and trying to pay that travel and um, with accommodations as well. You're, you're bundled up and uh, that 150 bucks, you probably go home with $10. So going back to the issue of, you know, do I want to do this for $10? Um, listen, I know that pay is a limit, uh, but treatment is more important. So I want to spin forward on this recruitment aspect, um, you know, as we wrap up just about how to bring more people in. And it strikes me that, and, and this could be, you know, I could be speaking out of school because maybe this is all being done already, but in terms of the campaign of recruitment, you know, Penny, you played. Angel, you wrestled. Um, I would think for so many you know, former student athletes that want to get into coaching, uh, there are only so many opportunities, uh, whether you're video, GA, what have you. How much has been done to try to get some of these younger people to try being an official so that not as an end game, but as a starting point that if you do want to coach, you know what, by the time you become a coach, you, know, you can say, hey, I've been an official. I know the rules. I know what needs to be done in this sport. So now when I'm on the other side, I can understand everything a little bit more. Uh, 
because we, we don't see that as much where they go from officiating to coaching. You know, sometimes it might be a former coach is done coaching, so now you want to get into officiating. But maybe to go to the younger level to use that as an entry into the sport, and, and it's okay if you only do it for five years or what have you, and recycle people, um, uh, you know, just to get more fresh blood. And some may say, you know what, I love it. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, if we can go around our room and then you can please add on another aspect of recruiting that you'd like to see. And we'll just go, Angel, Anthony, and Penny. You can have the last word. Yeah, uh, my experience, Andy, um, was that, you know, I had a family. And so I needed to decide, do I uh, officiate or do I coach? Long time ago, um, listen, with the family that I was uh, starting to uh, bring up, it was officiating it gave me more more time to be with my family as opposed to coaching every single day and being at a match every saturday um now we have we have clinics uh we have uh arbiter sports um our national coordinator of officiating tim shields puts out videos um today um i i'm starting a segment with my association every wednesday i at eight o'clock um, every Wednesday from here to the end of the season, I'm going to have a, an hour of what's called armchair wrestling um, talks. So it's talking about wrestling and teaching these younger officials that want to learn. Uh, because back in the day, I'm telling you, it was every man for himself in going into a championship tournament and uh, sitting down and just thinking you're alone. It was it was lonely. Nobody wanted to teach you. Nobody wanted their their place to be taken by the up and coming official. Today we have several officials, including myself, that want to make this a better place when I leave. Um, I want you to be uh, the next uh, Angel Rivera. I'm a general manager at my job. I want my manager right by right in, uh, below me to be the next general manager. So I need to leave this place a better uh, place than I uh, when I entered it. So we do have uh, a campaign called Player to Rep program that, that was initiated by some Division II commissioners um, actually in, in 2019 and got off to a decent start and then COVID, you know, delayed some of those things. But that's that's an initiative that we are going to uh, deploy a lot of energy resources around and it's looking to identify individuals uh, in all sports that are competing right now and giving them a uh, an opportunity and helping them to select uh, officiating as an application, whether that be um, helping to align them with individuals like Penny and Angel to serve as mentors, providing them uh, access to uh, equipment and resources to be a baseball or softball official or umpire and, and, and a, a number of things like that. We're also partnering with um, uh, our member institutions about um, uh, education of officiating as a part of the education curriculum in the athletic department or the the PE department for for credit right so you take officiating as a course and then those individuals officiate intramural programs and, and things of that nature or work uh, youth games in their community so those are uh, are two programs that we're actively pursuing along with a uh, a committed effort um, campaign that we are partnering with the National Federation of High School Associations on as well. So we, we've got some, some of those things. We, we would ask, one of my final word here is 
anybody that's interested in officiating, we would encourage you to to check it out. We, we've got uh, a landing page on our on our website at nca.org. You can go to the National Federation of High School Associations, nfhs.org. Our partners at NASO, the National Association of Sports Officials, has a, a campaign around recruitment for officials. So there, there are avenues uh, there for sure, and we we are welcoming to all. Certainly, there are, we've got some challenges in the space of officiating that that Penny and, and Angel certainly um, reference, but I think there there are opportunities here as well, and we certainly want to celebrate that and, and protect the game as best we can. And, and we need we need folks out there that are listening to this that have an interest to, to, to step up and, and join, join us in that, in that effort as well. Really great points. Um, I've learned that most officials get started because they were talked about officiating from somebody that actually does it. So, you know, I, I think our best recruiters are our active officials or former officials. And, you know, it's really important that when somebody leaves the game, they leave the game uh, on a, on a positive note with a good taste in their mouth. And, you know, we've instituted a, um, retirement program, just a, a small thank you gift for our retiring officials, because we know they're going to continue to be involved in some way um, around the game, whether that is, you know, as one of our, you know, unofficial recruiters or as an observer. Um, I, I think we're, we're, as officials, we're all advocates for what we do. Um, frankly, it's a, it's a big sorority fraternity. There, there's a family component to officials and that's probably one of the the biggest um, benefits and assets within officiating and I think if people could could realize the camaraderie and the experience that, that you can gain from it now, I started at 24 years old I was fresh out of college I moved across the country and didn't know a soul in my new city but I, I had this job and um, and I, I started officiating my mother coached and I knew at that I couldn't commit to that level, much like Angel experienced, but I, I knew I wanted to be involved with the game. And, and I think just finding a way for people to be involved. And, you know, for me, it wasn't, you know, just playing pickup. It, it was, you know, really wanting to be involved and, and have a, an ability to touch the game. And, and you know, I've, I've recruited a number of officials and I've learned that that conversation, it often started you know, three or four years before that person ever, you know, put on the striped shirt and grabbed a whistle. And so I think planting the seeds for some of these, you know, young student athletes is, is a, is an important part of our process that, that we may not see, um, see it reap, reap the crops until, you know, a few, few years down the line. So I think, you know, having those conversations, you know, I encourage our officials when they go and work scrimmages in the preseason to let these kids know about the opportunities in officiating because many of them don't realize that. I didn't realize it as a student athlete that that there was a future for, for me to be involved in officiating and 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 to stay involved with the game. So I, I think just kind of educating people to the opportunities that are there and you know the the potential that that exists um, for for a lot of rapid growth for our our student athletes because you know those are the kids that can can fast track in officiating and and really um, you know advance quickly uh, because of their background and and experience so uh, I, I think attacking that that group is is really essential um, for us to to solve some of these recruitment problems. Well, I hope Angel's uh, trigger word of bleak. Uh, is not the lasting uh, image and, and word here, but I hope it works in terms of a scare tactic because a lot of these coaches uh, in all sports 
just imagine a day if you're just yelling into the wind and no one's there to hear you, uh, because that could happen if there aren't people to replenish behind those that are uh, phasing out a little older than 50, hopefully. Um, but if, as long as they can get up and down or whatever the sport is, you're just getting up and down the field. But we need younger people, obviously, in all facets of this. So the message is out. Need to get more officials in all sports at the collegiate level and below. Uh, Angel Rivera, appreciate it. Penny Davis and Anthony Holman, as always. Thank you to all of you. And you can check out our social series at ncaa.org slash social series where they are all archived. And a reminder, we will be at the NCAA convention in Indianapolis in January. You can see us in person uh, for those in the membership. So we've got plenty of shows before then, but uh, just a little bit of a reminder coming up in mid-January. Thanks for watching, everyone.